0: Thanks, Mike, for finally letting me tour the Cage Club Podcast Network studios.
1: No problem, Brian. But hey, could you not tell Joey? He hates it when you mess around with his stuff.
0: Is that every Nick Cage movie ever?
1: Yep. From fast times to massive talent, this network is pretty much the house that Nikki Coppola built. Hey, what about over there? Where do those stairs go? Well, you know what it's going to be tonight, right? Well, this is Uncle Francis' this is a okay. wine cellar. Although, cook by cook. First of all, <laughs> is a Page Club Network production. You hear me?
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I thought you, I, even though he doesn't appear, I thought you might be the Colonel, but no. Yes.
1: Oh, no. I sa- I saved that for the actual Elvis podcast with, with Joey Lewandowski. He and I do Viva Pod Vegas, the Elvis Presley film podcast. Oh, that's why
0: I'm so excited to talk with you today. I feel like there's a Although
1: lot. Although of- the Colonel must come out every once in a while. Like you mentioned his name. It is like Beetlejuice. Uh, I shouldn't know. He will <laughs> appear, but you only need mention him once. Once is enough. I am here. Good to see you, Brian. Get out of here, Colonel. Get out of here. <laughs> it's
0: funny because. I will be a- back. This is an Elvis movie, but this is also a high school movie.
1: Surprisingly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh. Are you going to recover it? If I joined you over there, it would be my third podcast covering this movie. I will have oh, so much mileage out of my buck. I would be so happy about Honestly, that. Honestly,
0: we might do it with Islin next year on AP, but enough of that. Smart. It's, it's also a Coppola film, technically it's a Sofia Coppola film, so bono sera. Have a seat, have a glass, and welcome to Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. I'm Ryan Rodriguez, but where's Michael? We can't start the podcast without Michael.
1: Well, I'm back from Graceland. <laughs> Made it out there alive somehow and ready to do the show. Oh, All you
0: watch. Oh, I thought we were in Graceland because I was going to be like live from the jungle room. But no, you're right. We are in the wine cellar even better than Graceland. <laughs> yeah. This one is going to be a fun one. Well, not technically the first <laughs> Sofia Coppola film covered on Uncle Francis's wine cellar
1: as we were Mm. tricked last April Fool's. What do you mean? Oh, well, yes. Okay, yeah, that. (laughs) But also, if you recall, did we not cover her her segment that she wrote with dear old dad, our sweet Uncle Francis, for New York Stories?
0: Yes, well...
1: A lot of people think she directed it herself too, so you might be right that that as well. Or if not, Dad was just kind of looking over her (laughs) shoulder and said, "You know what? Just just go ahead. You know, I could totally yeah. We I would love to ask her that."
0: So the rule here on other Coppolas, right? Like this is Uncle Francis Wine Cellar. This is technically a spinoff from your other show, the mother of all shows on this network, Cage Club, right? Oh,
1: that is such a that is such. (laughs) It's such a, like, I did not think of it as a spin-off, but like, yeah, I guess it is. You know, it never really occurred to me. That's where Uncle Francis, our phrase, came from. Yeah. Oh, now you got it. Now you get the concept. Of no, the no. I mean, it's Brian, it's been a long year. Okay. It's been a very long day. I'm sure you can attest, you father and all, your day was longer than mine, but I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs>
0: we're obviously not going to cover every cage movie here it's not about coppola actors it's about coppola filmmakers
1: so yes we're way more about the filmmaker yeah you know we get into the roots and really dissect the film and cinema like
0: that so we'll cover that one cage film he directed i forgot the name but you told me about it once Cotton Club? No, he didn't direct Cotton Club. Coppola directs Cotton Club. Yeah, the,
1: what? Who? That? Who directed? Didn't Nicholas Cage direct a film himself once? Oh, Sunny. Yeah, Sunny. Yes, yes, Sonny with um, Son of Green Goblin. Um, oh, Franco. James, James Franco. James yes. Franco. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll cover Sunny at some point. It's actually very good. We'll cover Roman Coppola stuff. Uh, there's a, a lot of Coppolas who have done stuff in film, whether it's writing, whether it's directing. Whether it's cinematography, right? We have license acting, to co- yeah. cover all those things except acting, because no then- Jason
1: Schwartzman, no Wet Hot American Summer uh, sequels <laughs> and prequels.
0: <sighs> we'll see, we'll see, but definitely Sophia is someone we're going to talk about here a lot because Absolutely. Sophia is like Coppola Prime, Coppola Prime, the direct lineage of the man himself.
1: Yeah, carrying on like the the new family tradition of. Of like pushing American independent film for sure. And I love covering new stuff.
0: That's one of my favorite things to do in podcasting. So when mm. Sofia Coppola had a film coming out during our run, I was like, we had to do it. I know again you already covered it on Elvis. Well, that's Viva not the, name of the Vegas. Pod. Yeah, Viva <laughs> Pod Vegas. <laughs> Using internal lingo here. All good. Shortcuts. But
1: we're gonna cover it here on Uncle Francis's wine cellar. And of I course. really can't Wait. I'm ready to go. I have actually just a disclaimer. I have kind of like different thoughts, new thoughts, more thoughts focused on certain things with Joey for that show that kind of plays more into the theme of that show. Then I'll focus more on things I think that will relate more to like how we talk about stuff. So if you want like my full coverage, it's like you got to listen to that episode too. It's a little kind of like. You want the whole you want you want to know all of what Mike thinks then you got you got to read the book and see the movie I guess
0: and as we've just said it might be a trilogy but this of course in the wine cellar this is going to be a fun one but before we crack open the wine I got a special one today hmm. remember to keep your friends close and your fellow podcasters closer by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening google podcast apple podcast spotify While you're there, leave us a positive rating, five-star review, if applicable. And, of course, check out the show on CageClub.me, along with all the other great pop culture podcasts that are hosted there, including the aforementioned Viva Pod Vegas. You can also follow us on social media, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar on Instagram, as well as The Mike Stir, S-T-I-R, because he stirs the pot. Almost
1: everywhere on the X as well. The X, yes. Yeah. <laughs> catching on. It's catching on because of us. <laughs> and I am at Oh
0: My Rodriguez on the X. Sweet. And you don't need to follow my personal Instagram. <laughs> I'm not not that he doesn't want you to, it's just not interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's pretty accurate these days. <laughs> Again, I don't want to be that person who's always mentioning being a a new father, but it has just become my life. You know what I mean? And I'm not very interesting these days because of it. So, time to introduce the wine, and Daddy needs it. And I gotta go. I gotta go to my fridge for this one, Mike. So,
1: oh, going all the way to the Yes. Okay. I'm waiting. I guess I'm gonna kill some dead air oh so in case you don't know Brian, i don't hear this i forgot to look up something to uh have for my segment here of uh merchandise but i just found something that is going to rock his socks possibly all the way off if not partially i'll tell you this much he's gonna have to change his socks after he sees this one all right go into this oh yeah baby we found it oh this (laughs)
0: So despite hanging out in the wine cellar all the time with me, Mike I know you're not really into wine So, I didn't know if you were going to be familiar with this one But I've been waiting, waiting for this moment, really Oh, wow, okay Did you know that there is a more elegant line? I would say Of Francis Ford Coppola
1: wine? Uh, How could there possibly be? This is the Sophia collection. Get the hell out of here. Get Actually, get over here and bring that. Name after his wonderful daughter. Look at the packaging. It came in this plastic wrap. All right. It is wonderful. However, is there also a domino? (laughs) (laughs) That would have been amazing. (laughs) It's like you could have the Sophia or you could have the little. The red would be the domino, right? That's a white. Yeah, this is this is Blanc de
0: Blancs, white of whites. It is a sparkling white here. Beautiful label. Look at that label, right? And on the label it says Francis Coppola under it, of course, because that's the vineyard. But it has all these words that I believe describe Sophia, which is interesting. Revolutionary, reactionary, poetic, sparkling, sparkling, ebullient, effervescent. I think it describes the wine and Sophia. Fragrant, cold, cool. Okay, maybe it's just the wine. Coming of age. (laughs) Bestowing of presents, Petulant. Right? Interesting. Hmm. So I'm going to crack open this plastic. Oh, here we go. Cracking it open. Hopefully it doesn't squirt all over the computer, but I'm going to open this sparkling wine. And then I've invited, if you hear a door and a baby crying... I've invited my wife over because it is sparkling and I, I'd like to finish it tonight when it's at its freshest. So I've invited her over for a glass. So she might come with
1: baby in tow. She deserves this way more than I do. Woo! Heard that pop. Very nice. Oh Brian, nice. right. just wait just wait until you until you see what I found for my segment of merchandise today. Ooh, I to cannot wait, Mike. Lose it. It might be just a thing in time for Xmas. Or, you know, Chanukah or Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. I like mispronouncing things. We're going to do a uh, definitely another Coppola Christmas episode here.
0: So can't wait for that. But until then, you know, we got to talk Priscilla. Cheers,
1: Mike. Cheers, Brian. Here, cheers to my orange Hawaiian punch from Target that tastes just like McDonald's orange drink. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: is good, though. I I do enjoy it. This is a very, very smooth Sparkling
1: white, blanc de Blanc. Question yes. uh, for the out there: uh, what we'll separates a sparkling wine from champagne? Are you, is this like the Wayne's World thing? Like, do you want No, to I'm serious. Like, place? that's a, that's like an honest question, though. Like, what? It seems so close that it's like such a fine line. I will insert Roblo's explanation in Wayne's World One. I don't believe I've ever had French champagne before. Oh, actually, all champagne is French. It's named after the region. Otherwise, it's sparkling white wine. Americans, of course, don't recognize the convention, so it becomes that thing of calling all of their sparkling whites champagne, even though by definition they're not. Ah, yes. It's a lot like Star Trek, The Next Generation. In many ways, it's superior, but will never be as recognized as the original. Oh, that's right.
0: (laughs) That's what I thought you were referring to. No, uh, champagne can only be from the Champagne region of France. Yes. So that's okay, why Prosecco he's is good, Italy. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> you know, you order
1: um, my Chinese food for me in Cantonese now. You can get cava in
0: Spain, right? And, of course, Francis Ford Coppola wine is from California as we've gone over. So it is
1: just a sparkling wine. Cool. And of course, that was a skit for educational purposes. Obviously, I knew. right. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. to that. laughs> I was just trying to pad out the show. Mike, don't
0: worry when I need to know about Java and and all the coffee beans in
1: your coffee world, I'll ask. Nah, yeah, all right. Fair enough. Very fair <laughs> enough. I would like to start grinding my own beans at home and do it anyway. <laughs> coffee cast coming soon. <laughs> so, last episode just
0: wanted to touch on it really quickly. We, of course, talked Captain EO, a wild one, a really, really fun one. Hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't listen to it, listen to it. I know a lot of couple of fans, like the hardcore film fans, might not be too familiar with Captain EO. You should be. Not saying it's great.
1: But, God, that's such an interesting topic to talk about. Oh, it was still, like, I'm still thinking of, like... I still have so much to talk. Like I could do a whole another episode. Like, I don't I don't even know where else to go with that, right? Like I don't want to start talking about it again because I'll just keep going. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just so unique and crazy. And whether it's good or bad, whether you like it or not, like it is this just moment in time, and it encapsulated the moment when everyone was at their peak and they shot too they shot too far and they, <laughs> they didn't uh, look before they left. It was wonderful. And you've already teased your item
0: today, but just back to Captain EO really quickly. Oh, for sure. Such a big part of the Captain EO experience was the merchandising. And we actually covered that two episodes Mm. ago, because we ended up splitting the Captain EO episode in two, more or less. Uh, But we both had some interesting stuff there. But we don't save the merchandising just for Francis movies. Sophia gets merchandise, too. So let's open the stand. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Come, walk this way. Take a look. We put the picture's name on everything. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made.
0: I see, I see. Mike, what do you got for me today? Mike's merchandise of the episode, even though I've been contributing for like a year now. As Well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, I didn't ask you to. I mean, you stole my segment, half of it anyway. No, <laughs> I did. I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's good podcasting. But this I found, I wish, man, I really wish this year I could afford to send this to you and some friends and to Joey and such. Uh, I might just have to get you that Lou Albano wrestling figure I saw the other day. <laughs> 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 but uh, check this out. I'm going to put it in the chat. Right now. And when you open it, just just be ready to have your mind blown. Hopefully, you did not know about this. Oh, I did not? <laughs> I don't think I knew about this. So you got to scroll all the way down and check out all the different flavors. Okay, so what I sent to you, Brian, is Elvis Presley Wines. So I think I sort of <laughs> knew
0: that this existed, but I okay. didn't know to what extent. Because, let's be honest, the Elvis estate is almost like Captain EO. The Elvis estate markets the shit out
1: of itself, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, my friends. <laughs> because they had a brilliant mind behind the entire scheme. I mean, marketing product.
0: What's Oh, my God. They have a blue Hawaii Chardonnay. Yes. That's blue. So, so,
1: check all of these out. So, there's about four here. There's the Elvis... Uh Cabernet Sauvignon from the Elvis movie, the Boz Lerman movie, you have limited edition, everything uh what else do we have? We have the Blue Hawaii Chardonnay, We have the Christmas in Graceland Hallmark special. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, did he do a christmas movie we haven't gotten to it yet if he did that would be amazing he needs to do christmas, christmas in
0: graceland movie. though is like famous right like we see it in priscilla like it, it was mm, an intense yeah. experience now mike you i think yes. you've said this to me probably because you are an elvis expert now but like mm-hmm. didn't the Not colonel quite. didn't the colonel like own buttons for like Pro Elvis mm-hmm. and anti Elvis, so that he could
1: yeah, get money yeah. on both. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like Jason Rainey made our "I love Fran- Uncle Francis, I hate Uncle Francis" or <laughs> "Yes and No Uncle Francis."
0: <laughs> that's where that's where it came up. Now, yeah, yeah, Elvis has been marketed like this. Like it's not like oh, he died and then suddenly they they like over marketed him. Elvis has been a
1: product since he's been famous. Correct? Like that's how yeah. I felt. Yeah, pretty much that's exactly what like the colonel like the movie was about he's like elvis elvis was not a person he was a thing he was a thing <laughs> to make a lot of money off of as well and i did not have my boy of my own to exploit so i exploited elvis but no that like, gets true like he definitely saw dollar signs and he wrung him out and, and got every last drop out of him in, in a way but yeah he's never stopped being a commodity or anything like that i mean probably one of the most well-recognized faces on the planet still there was a time where like that was embraced not just for elvis but everyone embraces that like last episode we mentioned george lucas a lot look what happened to like the star wars not just the franchise but the marketing is even kind of like that's the ugly side of it right (laughs) it's like all the toys and crap uh that kind of came out of that and then the culture that came out of that And I'm not saying collector culture is like bad or anything. I'm a collector myself, you know. And like Elvis fans are some of the best and like, you know, some of the most faithful and stuff. So like, I understand. I just like to see like this product is affordable and cool looking. 1950. Yeah, and these bottles look awesome. So like beautiful bottles. This is a very sort of. I thought this would kind of like round every base for everybody, you know. Like if you were a wine podcast, so perfect it is is indeed so uh maybe i should start doing that start pairing every episode with wines hey if you drink on that show before you drink on this one i'm gonna be pissed no no (laughs) (laughs) no but like from now on if the merch corner was just different wine that i found and it'd be funny to see because i don't drink what i would come up with for every episode but i don't know like this this just kind of like perfect you know i just felt it fit the episode perfect.
0: I agree. These are beautiful bottles. It's so interesting and fascinating. And it really makes me think, too, about just the Elvis fan base. I haven't listened to your Priscilla episode. I didn't want to listen to it before I watched it, you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to influence my discussion today. I'll definitely listen back to it. But something that I could imagine... Maybe you guys didn't care, but I know you have a loyal... Uh, listener base and I know you have a loyal listener base yes because you guys are talented and great but because Elvis still has a loyal fan base right that's
1: the reason that is the main you know that is the trick to being a podcaster too is like find a fan base that exists without trying to create one yourself you know (laughs) that way you can get all of those people to start listening you know it happens with Elvis happens with Fast and Furious I think right like there's a big fan base for that
0: and a lot of the dialogue around the movie Priscilla i think is fan perception of Elvis and this movie's view of Elvis right mm-hmm. you know we'll get into it even further but from the Coppola lens i want to explore a lot of that because of you know that's the filmmaker's choice here we are not an Elvis fan podcast like i, I hope Elvis fans listen because they're great and I really like Elvis. Obviously, you like Elvis. You watch his movies, right? But our focus, again, is more from the filmmaker perspective today.
1: Right. You know, it's not like we shied away from saying Elvis thing come across looking great. You know, he doesn't. There's a lot of issues going on in this movie. But, like, uh, we get into it there. We'll get into a little bit here. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, we'll see how it goes. it would be interesting to see. I'm interested in your take on this because this is... I feel like it's different from a lot of movies that we've covered. Oh, absolutely. In this, this episode, of- you know, like maybe the in a weird way, I feel like the closest this is to is Apocalypse Now. Not only is it about like it's one person's uh sort of like narrow view of what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like you only see it through the eyes of a single character. And in, in that it was Martin Sheen and this it's Priscilla. You know? And in, in that sense, right? Like I feel like that might be the close I don't know in Because in The Godfather, there's a lot of characters, you know, we get a lot of perspectives and things and other movies as well. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking about after watching it, trying to relate to one of Uncle's Uncle Francis's films. Way to put
0: a new segment that I was going to bring up today in the middle of our merch segment. (laughs) I love it. Okay, I actually had this segment written down. I was going to ask you, Mike, which Coppola Francis or Coppola movie did this compare to the most because there's such different filmmakers. And I was struggling to think of that as well. Apocalypse now. Great take. But even that is such a large story. But we'll, we'll get into it a little further. I sent you my merch of oh. the episode. Oh, I don't think it's something here. you can use, but it's something I want to talk about.
1: <laughs> this is perfect because I brought this up on Joey's episode. On Joey's episode. I brought this up on the other episode, but Priscilla X Half Magic Eye Set recreate Priscilla's iconic 60s winged eye look from Sophia Coppola's Priscilla. So did she popularize? Cleopatra allegedly had this look too, but I mean, was it lost for centuries until Priscilla's makeup artist was like, you know what? You've got the perfect eyes for this. And like, because this was a huge trend. I think it came back too. It's coming back big time.
0: A little uh, background. This is from the A24 website. They have
1: uh, Priscilla merchandise, so they're into merchandising as well. Whoa, look at that. They have the sweatshirt. I didn't realize that they did this. Me either. they have the records of, like, other movies and stuff. Whoa, weird.
0: Yeah, really cool site. Um, But this, I thought, was so fascinating because this is one of those things, and it's sold out already, unfortunately. Yeah. This is one of those things that's going to go so up in value right like it's such a weird little niche merch item that i think like if we were talking priscilla in 20 years on this podcast we we would ebay this and it would be for like hundreds of dollars like an unopened package of it because it's so different to other merch that you see anyone can get a sweatshirt anyone
1: can get a, a button or yeah. something, you know what i mean brian have you ever gone to like sephora with your wife and like looked around because you're bored and shit and like you see there's tons of stuff similar like there was like guardians of the galaxy makeup (laughs) you're not wrong i'm not joking you know and like there's lots of stuff like that and it's really cool that there's lots of like uh stranger things palettes and and and, and those kinds of stuff so like to me it's not that this exists that kind of like blows my mind it's more that it's on the eighth 24 website that is like kind of jacking my brain a little bit that's what i think makes it a little bit more special but i also think that with stuff like a
0: makeup kit most people are opening it and using it it's rare that someone just
1: pockets it away right yes true yeah they're sort of adding that collector's um kind of corner to it which hopefully people buy this and use it you know i don't want a lot of like uh people who don't wear makeup just like hoarding it you know is that what's happening? Probably. That's what happens. That reminds me, Mike. I was talking to the salesperson
0: on the Cage Club Podcast Network the other day. And they informed me that we are actually in the market for a makeup sponsor here on Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. So if you are a makeup brand, like like a a Maybelline or a CoverGirl, uh, we are looking for a sponsor. Can't speak for you. I do not wear makeup. But mm-hmm. we would be willing to wear it if you would sponsor it. Or you can cut us a check. Either yeah. way.
1: I mean, perfect timing. I just broke up with my girlfriend so I could use all this makeup. for her. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't be opposed to trying out some eyeshadow these days to just outwardly express the way I'm feeling inwardly, which is completely hollow. None. <laughs> We, we could make the podcast about that if you want. No, but that's the last thing I want to talk about right now. Send us stuff. We'll talk about it. We'll use it. We'll try it out. We'll find ways to get other people to use it and talk about it and try it out. I know some people at work who would love to try this out, for sure. Some of the piercers. Awesome. I mean, well, I, I thought it was cool. Your thing was cool, Mike.
0: Let's move right cool. along with these segments. Mike
1: Capella. Oh, all right. So um, <clears throat> where in the world is the Godfather streaming? Can you nice. just like take that and repeat it every time now so I don't have to sing it? Because I no, just sang like it making the wrong version it. and you had to edit that out. I like making
0: you sing it, Mike. Well, you would think that the Godfather would still be streaming on Pluto. You would think mm-hmm. that maybe it has migrated to AMC. As it usually does for Thanksgiving. Well, the wonderful people at Paramount have decided to give it a new home between October's Pluto and what we presume will be another year on AMC. It is currently on Showtime again.
1: Whoa, okay.
0: For like the third time this year in like random increments. So
1: I don't know. (laughs) Here's the reason is that uh there's too many platforms and one company owns like different ones because there's like different tiers right so i'm sure like it's just they're rotating it around all the apps that they own or something or it's just it's going all around the bases until it lands back at amc and then back at paramount it's just bizarre man it's like hey do you want the god it's like (laughs) it's like sharing an expensive comic book it's like all right we get the godfather on monday and wednesday you get it on tuesdays and thursdays i'll get it on fridays and sundays well who has it saturday well we'll all sit around and watch it together on saturday
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so so bizarre can i get the news jingle mike
1: Megalopolis update. <laughs> There's no
0: Megalopolis update, really. No news uh, there. So, all right. Cupola all right. news. Keeping okay. it short today. Good. But this first one, Mike, is going to blow your mind. I-, I know I say that a lot, but am I? I'm rarely wrong about this.
1: It's like your catchphrase here, whereas on your other show, it's iconic. Here, you're like, Mike, I'm going to blow your mind. <laughs> so I
0: sent you the link for this one because I, I need your reaction.
1: Oh. Okay, here we go again. Right.
0: So this was from GamesRadar.com. Graphic novel Don Coppola explores the life of the Godfather director.
1: What? Wait, what? They're doing a graphic novel on coppola (laughs) yes there's a graphic novel coming out
0: about the life of francis ford coppola it's part of the cine trilogy like cinemakers the cine trilogy there was a tarantino one originally that came out but i
1: guess we're gonna have to cover a graphic novel on here what all right i'm cool with that i'm up for it that's called don coppola that's pretty cool it's going to be published by titan on june 6 2024 and will be available in bookstores as well as comic shops Amazing Amazon, can you pronounce that? Following the story of the man behind the movie, Don Coppola shows the insight behind the critically acclaimed director Francis Ford Coppola and takes a look at both the impact of his movies and his life from a cinematic narrative. Interesting. Should be interesting. I cannot wait to cover that. Not a novelization, but
0: still pretty cool.
1: Getting closer to a Francis Ford Coppola novelization.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the other bit of news gets us right into the episode. This movie, while largely well received, was a bit controversial when it dropped the other day. By the way, it's exclusively in the theaters, so you can check it out there. There was news that sort of leaked out that the late Lisa Marie Presley the daughter mm-hmm. of Elvis, was not a fan of the script.
1: His portrayal.
0: Yeah, well, she didn't, she didn't see the movie, though. She wasn't alive for it. She had read an earlier draft of the script. She didn't like how it looked. She was very disappointed, and she asked that it not you know, be changed. And then, of course, she passed away at way too young of an age. I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now, but it is interesting that she was married to Michael Jackson, the subject of our last our last not only that, episode. but
1: married to Nick Cage at one point. <laughs> and, then so, and then you're right. Married to Elvis superfan Nick Cage. Connected to the family.
0: Way connected, yeah. He was a
1: Coppola for a minute. I mean, mm. Riley Keough still talks about him as like a stepfather, even though she is not his child. I didn't even think about that. So like, Sophia must have
0: some relationship with with lisa marie so maybe lisa marie felt betrayed that's a little bit tough however priscilla is very much behind the project she is actually a producer Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. the film it is based on her book elvis and me Mm -hmm. and i think that's super important to remember when we talk about it today That this is an adaptation of a book. It is a point of view of a particular person. This is not the Elvis story. It's not called Elvis. It's quite literally called Priscilla. Right. I don't know. From our perspective, what does Francis Ford Coppola do? You know, he directs great movies. He loves the intimate story, right? He he tries to do it in something like Rumblefish. Like the closest movie I was going to say to this was Rumblefish because that's another one that's like super close focused. But we know he does the big epics as well, right? Sofia, to me, is one of the best filmmakers at depicting intimate stories in almost, mm-hmm. as weird as it's going to say, limited locations. Yes. Put Sofia Coppola in a house, and she's going to shoot the shit out of that house.
1: Or, or, or a hotel room, and it's the best fucking movie about a hotel room ever. Absolutely. It's all, it's, except, you know. except, except, sorry, I'll say
0: it again except the hotel room in New York.
1: 1409 with John Cusack. (laughs) New York York stories was about a hotel as well. No, I know. I'm just joking. I mean, you know, I'm being hyperbolic or Mm. whatever, but like, no, I I know you're right. Like we talk about this. I talked about this on uh, the other episode I did with Joey, where it's like, she is such a particular kind of film. Like she has such a particular style and she sticks with it. And like, when I like her the most is when she's got enough of a film to barely make a movie. Like Kubrick used to talk about that too, where he's like, you only need enough to make a movie. Like you don't have to go overboard. Less is more in a lot of ways. And that's how I really feel about like a lot of her projects where it's like a lot of her stuff is quiet. A lot of it is slow. A lot of it is, you know, there's very interesting kind of music juxtapositions to the images and stuff. so like she's got a very particular style that I quite enjoy a lot and I think that like it's you know it's it's not like uncle francis at all like he is he is very much on the other end where he is very loud you know <laughs> even when he's soft he's loud yes uh, and I love that about him
0: yes I I couldn't agree more I think to tell this story Sofia Coppola is the perfect director for it I think um mm-hmm. she has told uh, stories about women like this in the past uh, and that have been amazing in my opinion i think this is another one that that's in line with that and if elvis is on your pedestal of living gods if you're one of those people who actually thinks he's still alive for example right like i get it remember that this is from priscilla's point of view And to me, I don't think, I still think you can be an Elvis fan. I still think you can like Elvis and watch this movie because he he was a human being.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, it's interesting because, like, one thing, one movie that this movie reminded me of that Sophia also made is Lost in Translation. Uh, There you have two characters a very young teenage girl and a much older male gentleman. Uh, and you know, their relationship is platonic, but like they have an emotional relationship together in that movie, you know, they have a lot of levels going on in that movie, you know? And so like, she has tackled stuff like this before. I feel like that's, you know, this is good. This is good material for her. Like, it's an interesting subject matter, you know, it kind of, I mean, I already said Kubrick, but like, it reminds me of Lolita a little bit at times as well. Like not as like comedic or disgusting as that is, uh, quite frankly, but like, you know, still uh along the lines of like that age gap relationship.
0: For me, the twin movie was Marie Antoinette, which uh, I watched actually again recently. Love it. When Marie Antoinette first came out, I like didn't really get it. Uh, now I love it. it. It's amazing. And that is also about a young woman who marries royalty, essentially, right? Like Mary Louie. Yeah. And lives in a big house. Like, so, to yeah. me... to so me, great call. Great call. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it is very similar to that. Like, there's a common thread in a lot of her movies that, again, I really, I really enjoyed Priscilla. I thought it was awesome. I get why some people don't. I think most people though, you know, it's got, I mean, this goes without saying, it's A24, it's Sofia Coppola. It's got a pretty good rating on Letterboxd but um, you know a little bit less of that on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and again I think that's from like Elvis fans who are maybe tuning in for more of the 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 Boz Lerman Elvis experience
1: yeah. And I think I didn't to be, to be perfectly honest, like even I was expecting there to be um, a little more going, not going on, but like a little more, uh, a little louder. Like, but that again, is the point I think of the movie, right. Is how secluded and quiet and controlled her entire existence. There was okay. And like, she didn't get to see Elvis. Like everyone else got to see Elvis, you know, she got Elvis at home when he was tired and like, Didn't get to see him like perform or anything like that all the time, which is what you would, which is what I would have thought. Like if I'm going to marry Elvis, it's like cool, I get to watch Elvis like do his thing every day. But no, you have to stay home. He didn't want that, right?
0: Again, this movie is not called Elvis. This movie is not called Priscilla and Elvis. It is called Priscilla. I think it is titled that way for a reason, and it, it is super interesting. And I can't, I can't wait to talk about it. Note on the soundtrack no elvis songs featured the elvis estate makes sense did not grant any music so so sophia used period music along with modern music especially from her husband's band phoenix a lot of those so- songs in there can i complain a little bit not about the soundtrack but about my life am i allowed to on the show mike oh
1: definitely please bring it on i mean it's yeah I collect soundtracks. Make me feel better (laughs) about my life. Oh, oh, well, this is going to be very superficial, but
0: I collect soundtracks, and I should have bought this soundtrack a while ago. I didn't. One of my White Whale soundtracks is the Marie Antoinette soundtrack on vinyl.
1: Okay, I'll keep an eye out. eBay,
0: uh, do a little quick eBay search. I'll, I'll cut it for time. Do a little quick eBay search on how much money this one goes for now.
1: Marie Antoinette vinyl. Holy shit! Someone wants five hundred dollars for their copy. Wait, there's two different covers? Or no? Is that two different? No, there are two different covers. Oh wow! One's four fifty. One's almost five hundred dollars. One's six twenty five. One's eight hundred. Yeah, like your starting price is at least four hundred. Fuck. Well, that's yeah. I mention it
0: here because Sofia Coppola movies, their vinyl soundtracks. Only appreciate in price, so investment opportunity for you guys out there. Buy the soundtrack for Priscilla. I know you're, what you're thinking: no Elvis songs. Why would I buy this soundtrack? I still think it's a good soundtrack. One, two. She cuts a good album, right? If this movie's not getting the praise that it should, think about Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette
1: bombed. People love that movie now. Look at the price of the yeah. soundtrack. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, so two things. One get two copies one to open one to to save second the soundtrack to Marie Antoinette was a huge debate when the movie first came out which is why I think adds to the value of the soundtrack now is that it was like a point of contention about the movie how can you have a non-period music in this movie like this music's from yesterday and it's supposed to be Marie Antoinette times like how can you do that and it's like I've never seen a fucking movie before, like, what is, this, like <laughs> what is the what is the problem? But like it became a huge fucking thing, and now it's done like all the time, and it's super cool, you know. Um, so like I have a feeling like that also might have might be a reason. Also, you know, they only print one run of these things for the most part. If like sometimes bad. they'll do a re-release, but but that's never you know a second printing. Exactly, never as much. So exactly
0: very fun so as this is a fresh movie I'm sort of going by memory um, you've already done an episode on this so maybe, maybe you know your memory a little bit better than mine uh, but let's talk about the cast before we, we dive in yeah our lead here Priscilla played by Kylie Spaney. Um, I really like her I actually she first came on my radar believe it or not in the sequel to the craft the craft legacy which I covered on high school slumber party
1: oh no kidding,
0: I mean, I didn't really love that movie, but I thought she was very, very good in it. I saw that movie. Where do you know her from?
1: Uh, I don't. Let me let me see. I've seen that craft movie, I've seen Pacific Rim Uprising, I've seen Bad Times at the El Moral, I've seen Mayor of East Town. <laughs> uh, she'll be in the new Alien movie, that's pretty cool. Like, I've seen basically everything she's in, but I don't. I didn't recognize her. In fact, I was telling Joey half the movie, she looked to me like young Natalie Portman. <laughs> and I was so thrown by it. maybe that's just because like Priscilla in that style looked like Natalie Portman, but like I was being I was thrown a lot. And then when she got the big hairdo, she looked like a like a mini share. For half the movie so like i was facially thrown the entire time i thought she i
0: thought but she, she did. did a really good job though i mean a lot of it too oh yeah like, yeah yeah putting her in that world and the costumes and the hair and just like priscilla presley is the 60s this movie like pretty much goes from 1960 to 1970 more or less
1: right yeah i never realized like that side of it because we see so much of it now but back then there was so much less of it i could imagine Uh, not just paparazzi stuff but like um like celebrity fashion stuff like everyone was looking like priscilla i'm sure for a decade right like she she was the look so that's overwhelming to think about
0: (laughs) (laughs) now it's funny because i I have a lot to say about this guy but jacob Ellerdy played elvis This, yeah. this is someone I've talked a lot about in High School Slumber Party and not in glowing terms because he was in the Kissing Booth trilogy, which I, I don't know why. Like, I just wasn't a fan of him there, but I think it was more his character. Since then, he's been in Euphoria. He's really oh. he's really taken off. Um, what do you think about his turn as Elvis?
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought he was a great Elvis. Like, it's such a, not even a different, I mean, the fact that we don't see him perform except for that one time in the beginning where he's... Playing on the piano, which you know is luckily Elvis like did a lot of covers, so they could have him actually yeah. sing a song in the movie. Um, but like, I really, really think he nailed Elvis, and we get a we get a very interesting side uh, of him trying to like show Elvis when he's off, and Elvis trying to be off, but like can't really turn it off all the time. And he he does these like very interesting uh, like nervous ticks with his leg. Um, he does that thing with his voice that you get, like, originally I thought that was like, I mean, obviously it's part of the way Elvis speaks, but it feels more like an impediment of nervousness in this movie where he just be like, before everything, he'll just be like, oh, I don't know if we should do that. Or like, oh, go and do this. Or like, like, he brought so much nuance, I guess, to the role. And he'd have to because he doesn't have the stage in this, right? So like, you know, how, how do you portray Elvis Without um, all of like the shirts and the hair and the music and all that. Like, this is again him at home mostly, him trying to turn it off or like relax mostly. And I thought he did an amazing job. I loved it. I gotta
0: apologize to him. I thought he did an amazing job as well. Like he was Elvis here. And I think he was Elvis for the Priscilla movie, right? We don't see. A lot of the stage stuff you're absolutely right when we do see him in the costumes and stuff it's him sort of in transitioning <laughs> i say transitioning but like you know what i mean he's like going from home elvis to the elvis that the people want to see he plays yeah. a good man struggling between expectations and reality what he wants and what is actually existing it's, it's so fascinating to me. And again, all I can say is, is bravo. You've won me over Jacob Ellardy. <laughs> you did a really yeah, good Yeah, like job.
1: I watched Euphoria. He scares the shit out of me yeah. on that show. You know, like I didn't think at all I'd have any, be able to watch him play like a guy, like a, you know, Elvis. He brings, he brings it out though. Like that's the end of the interesting thing is like he plays him very vulnerable. Like the Elvis that has shed everything because he thinks that Priscilla can be that like, Uh, Unobjective mirrored into his, so like almost looking for that acceptance of him as a person, not him as like Elvis, capital E, as the rock star or anything. With that comes more of like, oh, I think Elvis might have been manic depressive because of all the drugs that he's on at the time, you know, or severely like at least by, you know, could be bipolar, right? And because he has these manic fits. And she seems to set him off for no particular reason. And he's completely frustrated all the time. Um, He is under the thumb of the colonel and all of this stuff. And shit just rolls downhill so hard at Graceland that like, you you know, it always lands on Priscilla. And that I think is part of like what comes through in the movie, you know, is like, she's not even a part of it, but she's getting all of the shrapnel, you know, she's being kind of, put away so she can't get hit, but like it's hitting her hard, like all the time. It is just very, it gets kind of like very hard to watch at times.
0: Not too many uh, other known people in the cast. I don't know if there's anyone else you want to bring up there, but more to the story and to what you're saying. And again, that perspective of where we are in Elvis's life. Um, Since this isn't a true biopic, we are not seeing the rise of innocent, Elvis, as a, as a young person, we're not seeing the comeback. We're not seeing his death. I mean, we're seeing one of the comebacks, but, you know, we are just seeing a small portion of when Priscilla was involved as a, I want to say child of divorce, but as an adult of divorce, um, not that I get into these conversations, right? Like, you know, my mother's perspective on my father and my father's perspective on my mother, I'm sure not the same you know? Mm-hmm. This is a, you know, divorce movie, so when Lisa Marie, sort of, right? So when Lisa Marie is upset about it, I totally get it. I also totally get Priscilla's perspective here. Um, we see Elvis do a lot of drugs, which we know to be accurate. We see Elvis be controlling, which by all accounts he was, that, which was accurate. We see the incredible age difference here. Um, but to... The point with Jacob Ellerdy, yeah, things were uncomfortable, but it didn't feel like Elvis was – I was a little afraid it was going to come off as caricature, right? And Elvis felt human to me in this movie.
1: Mm. No, right, right. See, like, I don't want to sound in this review or in the other review like I'm defending Elvis. I am not, Right. Like, whatever you call it nowadays, he should be canceled. He was gaslighting or whatever. What? Okay, but, like, he was also getting the same fucking treatment from the cur- – Like, from everybody. His dad, saying, like, the colonel. His parents – well, his dad, his mom. Okay, so, like, also, here's another huge thing that, like, needs to be addressed that I think is kind of glossed over a little bit. Like, one of the main reasons they're together is because he met Priscilla while he was grieving the loss of his mother overseas away from home – during the war, right? And so they formed a very kind of special bond. Like, I truly believe that can happen, right? Okay? and But that doesn't justify toxic behavior in a relationship, you know? And how can you expect someone the age of who Priscilla was portrayed as in this movie, like, to know how to navigate this stuff, right? Like, literally a child. And I don't know. Like, it gets to a point where it's like, you know, Elvis, like maybe the best thing like if you really love this person is to like stay away from them <laughs> or like let them go live a normal life like would be the best thing cuz there's nothing you can do anyway Elvis they're they're telling you not to make her public you know nothing about this relationship is fair so it just it gets to a degree in the movie where it's it gets for me very hard to watch you know it's it's a very toxic relationship in in modern terms so From the High School
0: Slumber Party perspective, which again is my teen film
1: podcast, this is
0: truly a coming-of-age story, and I love how you said unfair, like a completely unfair coming-of-age story for Priscilla. Elvis has already come of age way too fast because he gets famous pretty young. He's already a commodity by the time he meets her. Um, He's 24, she's 14, 10-year difference. And she grows up, essentially with her idol and she comes of age. And when she finally gains, I'll say, I'll say it this way, consciousness, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? When yeah, she's, she, yeah. Adult consciousness,
1: we'll say. Woke. She, when she becomes woke on Elvis. <laughs> she kind of, yeah.
0: That's when she decides to leave that environment, you know,
1: spoiler alert, but, Oh, I, that spoilers. I love saying this spoilers for real life. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's the
0: journey that she goes through in this film that I'm so fascinated with. It's Sophia's intimate depiction of it. We spend so much time in the bedroom, and I don't mean sexually, right? We spend so much time literally in their bedroom. We spend so much time in their living room. We spend so much time just in these moments of conversation that, as an admirer of coming-of-age stories... I really enjoyed it because it's rare that I've seen... It's like, you know, who was the hot band when you were growing up? For me, it was like the Backstreet Boys and, and Sync. This is like if Justin Timberlake went to my high school and and grabbed <laughs> one of my classmates and married them,
1: essentially. Yeah, kind of, right? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I think this is a, like an incredibly well-crafted movie t- to like not be as controversial as I've as I see this sort of discussion to me you know like I feel like not that it's I don't want to say like I feel like it's being treated like lightly by any means like that uh, but I think most people are looking at it because it is called Priscilla right but it is from her perspective and she is we are seeing a a very wounded Elvis okay and I think that she from watching the movie it's what is it's like Not like buyer's remorse or anything like that, but it's almost like when she gets to Graceland, she's like, what is this? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, who are all these people? Like, what is this posse? Why am I meant to go like wait for you? in the You know what I'm saying? Her entire life is sort of already prepared for her without anyone ever consulting her. And like, let's be honest, she was pretty much pimped out by that guy in Germany. Elvis was sent around a basis to this guy is sent around to look for good looking American girls to bring back to the party. There was a line of them waiting outside when she got there, you know, and she happened to be the prettiest and youngest for him. And, you know, uh, she was from America. I mean, I don't know. It's just like it's such a strange chain of events, you know, and, and on top of that, how can you say no? Right. How, why, I wouldn't have said no in the first place. Right. Like, how could you? How could you say no? And how could you say no at 14? That's what I mean. Like at that age. Like, you, your brain physically, like, does not have the wherewithal to, to kind of understand what situation you're really in. And that's why so many young people are preyed upon like that.
0: And, and look, by all accounts, they did, I mean, by Priscilla's account, by accounts of people around them, they didn't become intimate till like many years later
1: that is actually quite an interesting part of the movie where like she constantly is like throwing herself at elvis and he like he's like we have to wait we have to wait that to me showed me that elvis actually had a better understanding of the situation than i might have thought he did
0: that's my only explanation right like the other explanation could be like he is a very
1: christian man nothing is necessarily lives his life that way but maybe well i also thought that if he was impotent because of the drugs and every and all the stress and he couldn't Physically, like maybe, and that's why he wasn't with other women very much either. You know, you never really, only when he was making movies and Anne-Margaret and this and that, but that felt very forced. Yeah. And I want to get into the movie part, but there are
0: allusions to like the Virgin Mary in this as well. Like, did Elvis see her as, you know, the Virgin Mary, like in the back of his mind, like subconsciously? And you also mentioned his mother passed away. Uh, he mentions it in the movie, or like right before meeting Priscilla. Like, okay. is he projecting? A lot of people have said this: Is he projecting his mother on Priscilla? And he, and he, you know, he appreciates her innocence. There are times where I feel like that's true, but there are other times in the movie where he's cl- like when they go dress shopping, he's tr- clearly trying to make her seem and look older, right? Like that—that's th- part of, for lack of a better word, his strategy. It's very interesting. But I do yeah. love that Sophia depicts her as you're you're right, like she's the one trying to get Elvis to sleep with her, and not for any perverse reasons. But the fact that she's she's a woman, and
1: yeah, they're a couple. Like we're married, let's have a baby. Like that's why it's supposed to happen, right? And he's like, "Well, I'm Elvis. It does, things don't exactly work normal around here." Do they? You also bring up the posse aspect of it. Like he is rarely alone with
0: her. Yes. When they're sequestered in the bedroom, but they're like rarely out alone. If he
1: goes out, even at her graduation, the posse was there. Right. Like, so that was the, that was the best shot of the whole movie is when she walks out of her graduation and Elvis and the posse are hanging with the nuns, showing off their pistols (laughs) tucked in their waistline. That's a very, that's another one of those rare moments where she's like, tells Elvis, like, you can't come into this, you know, like, you can't be in there, you have to wait for me outside, and and you can see in his eyes, like, this sucks, but I get it, because this is your high school graduation, not your college graduation. Yeah.
0: Like, so much to talk about here that I couldn't take notes. I tried to take notes on, on these little menu cards, but... Um, no it's it's too difficult it's too difficult
1: yeah no i don't know i mean i mean mo- i feel like most a lot of people are unfortunately go through what priscilla went through without the benefit of the other person being elvis if you catch my drift okay like this is a kind of thing where like you know, I I don't know, Maybe, maybe we shouldn't get too political about it or anything. But like, you know, women are controlled by men throughout history. And on the on the micro level like this, like in daily lives, like this is happening behind closed doors next door, you know what I'm saying? But like, your neighbor isn't Elvis. And so like, for her to escape this situation on top of it being having everything in the world, too, is like such a testament to her perseverance, you know, like, Most people can't get out of a bad relationship to begin with. She got out of a bad relationship with Elvis Presley, is like kind of how I saw her victory by the end of it. Like, she developed herself somehow to a degree to be able to, like, say no at some point, you know, to be like, this is not what I want. This isn't what uh, it's all cracked up to be. And, like, I can deny El, I can be the person that walks away. Like, that is tremendous strength i think i know
0: this to me this is truly like a hero's journey right again to to literally grow up in the walls of graceland and i didn't really know their story i knew a little bit about it but the whole time it's alluding to elvis sort of trying to dump her at key moments and the fact that she walks in in the end and is like nope i'm leaving you we're
1: living separate lives like i was just like bravo that's like the, from my understanding, like the gaslighting aspect is like, she got so used to, uh, cause we see it like three times. The first time it's like serious where he's like, get out, pack your shit. I'm fucking done. You gotta go call the boys, get her a ticket home, all that shit. And then like 10 minutes later, he's like, you know what? No, like, we'll wait. We'll see how it goes. Like hang out for the rest of the day, cancel the ticket, this and that. Maybe I'll let you stay if you're a good girl right like that kind of shit and then later in the movie she's like it's literally like elvis would you like like a snack and he's like get the fuck out of here i want you to fuck out of graceland now and she walks out of the room and he's like no i'm sorry baby don't go stay like like make me a sandwich you know it's like that that's what their relationship becomes and she you could see it in her eyes. she's like he doesn't want me out of here he's just he you know or, or like he's just saying this shit. He's going to turn it back. Like, that's what I mean. Like he's, he's like manic. He's depressed. Like she catches on. So I'm glad. Good for her. You know, like that is cause he was never going to go. He was never going to dump her ever. She had to be the one to walk. Yeah. and
0: And I'm happy. I'm happy. She did. Like I love towards the end where we see her like life in LA and her life with Lisa and like, she's doing her own thing and finally able to do that. And she doesn't look like his plaything, his doll, and it—it just again a really nice story there. So, from my notes
1: here that I took, on. did you go to the draft? House? I did. I did. Call me next time. <laughs> well, you saw it already. Did you go to the one, but by- I know. Well, did you go to Yonkers?
0: Uh, I mean, don't don't blow up my spot here. But
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, you that, can cut that out. No, 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 I'm kidding.
0: That, that's that's uh, I'm a member, so. That's what I wanted to do. All right. Yeah, I can meet. I'll meet you up there next time. Oh, well, I'll let you know when, when we see something, when there's something right. that tickles our interest. But um, hey, Megalopolis, of Megalopolis. course. I mean, of course. So I loved seeing the American Zoetrope. Like, uh, what do they call it? Title card, if you will. Yeah.
1: The look. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Always nice to see American Zoetrope there. I do have some questions for you because I know you, again, you cover these Elvis movies. Right. Elvis in the army has sort of always been legendary to me in an, in American pop culture right like we know he's stationed in Germany here we don't see him in the army uniform unless he's trying to impress her father right like we're not introduced to him as like a loyal soldier we're introduced to him at his home off base where he's just like hanging out with people and having a good time um, what do you think of like this depiction of Elvis's time in, in the military
1: in Germany there So this is kind of what I always suspected about Elvis's time in the military is that it was just propaganda. Like the only time he was in a uniform was when they needed to take pictures. Uh, The only time he was on an Air Force base was when he had to talk to uh, Priscilla's father. Like it kind of struck me like a bolt of lightning. I don't know if this is true or not. Like it's just now my perception of the way things must have gone down is like, you know, Nothing could happen to this guy. Like you can't wound him. He can't get shot. He can't even get stabbed. He can't, you can't maim Elvis Presley during wartime, you know? So like you tell everybody he's going overseas to war. You tell everybody he's in basic training. He shaves his head or he gets a haircut. But this is what I, I personally always suspected. They stashed him away in a house somewhere in a suburb where he was just hanging out the whole time, safe from the war. You know, they found a place Where they knew there wasn't gonna be any fucking fighting. You know, that was perfectly safe. And they put him there. And then what ended up happening is that like he started throwing parties like this every night because he's bored as shit, because he can't he's basically on house arrest because people can't know that he's not in the war, like doing war shit. So he can't go out and about and like go anywhere. That's my. That's what I was thinking watching the movie. I was like, "This kind of clicks." From what like I'm thinking about, like back then, there's and you got to believe the colonel. This pulled some shit where he was like, "I know some people in Germany. They might <laughs> be Nazis, but they are good Nazis, and they will go." No, <laughs> but anyway, that's that's what my train of thought went. No,
0: I don't disagree with that. To be honest with you, right? Like, I think that also it makes sense for the U.S. military to do that. Use Elvis as a good, loyal American, you know, a patriot in the military uniform. Yeah. But you can't put him in the field. Like, he can't be in, uh, you know, an active war zone because if he gets captured or, you're right, maimed or killed, no one's going to support that war, <laughs>
1: you know? There so many things can go wrong to a single person in the battlefield or, like, even before you get there, but, like, amongst other soldiers, you know? Like, what if someone... Someone could have easily beaten the shit out of Elvis because they don't like Elvis. You know, you take all of our women, Elvis. Like, you think you're tough? You're in the army now, Elvis. And like, you know, they get him with the, with the soap in the sock or something. I don't know. And then think of it this way, too. Like, I know we're not
0: actually, like, I know there weren't too many active war zones at that time. But if you think about it, Elvis, let's say Elvis does serve in war. And let's say he serves honorably, right? yeah, let's say he even loses a leg. ok ok, yeah. I mean look, if he gets maimed or anything like that, or like he
1: can't sing anymore because he's shot through the throat, like, no, we're not saying that much. I mean, he could still sing. but <laughs> but even if even if he comes out
0: unscathed mentally, war is hell right he could come home
1: and speak against the war we don't know you know what i mean it's just not worth oh it. man it's not worth it that really. would have been crazy he <laughs> grew a big long beard spoke out against the war like he started like doing war songs and <laughs> yeah it, look it ju- it's it's
0: just not worth him going into like any kind of active duty you just want to stash him and, and figure it out yeah i thought that was fascinating his meeting I, and i was a little bit worried that this movie was about, like, I know he's predatory. I'm not saying he's not. I was a little bit worried that it was, like, a little bit worse. You know what I mean? They, they had sex that she was 14, and they were going to
1: depict that. Like, I didn't want to see that on screen. Well, what kind of helps is, like, Elvis is mentally kind of a child throughout a lot of this. So, like, that kind of, you know, I'm mean, that doesn't justify very much, but, it like, it, it helps think about it. <laughs> it's like, she feels more mature than him through a lot of things, you know?
0: I love seeing uh, Graceland here. I thought that oh, was really cool. So fun. I love so seeing fun. Elvis in Vegas. That was fun too.
1: Great. Oh, yeah. Elvis, Elvis um, when we, what Joey and I really enjoy because we do the podcast about Elvis films, was uh, every time he's like, I got to go do this picture. Or like she's calling him, he's like, I'm on this picture. This is Aunt Margaret, man. The director's driving her crazy and all this shit. <laughs> and we, and I, was, I was like, I know what he's talking about. I saw that movie.
0: I was going to ask about that, Mike, while I was watching it. I'm like, this must be wild for you and Joey because, like, this is not really about music, Elvis, a little bit here, a little bit there. This is about movie, Elvis. He's like, I want to go to the yes. actor's studio and, and, and yes. study hard. All these scripts are junk, man. When are you going to send me a decent script? And he's like, oh, Nancy <laughs> Sinatra.
1: And, like, you're right, And Margaret, like, you know the movies he's talking about, right? Absolutely. He even mentioned by name Tickle Me. I couldn't I was the only one in the theater that yelped. Like and people were probably like, "What's his fucking problem?" And then they were like, "Did he just did Elvis just say Tickle Me and did that guy just react to it?" <laughs> But it's true. And, you know, and I'm sitting there going like no one remembers King Creole where he went toe to toe with Walter Matthau and it was like an acting tour de force. And it was like he would have been and could have been. I'm not saying he was going to be the next James Dean, but like there was so there is so much potential and Elvis had so much like to craft that they just didn't. They just either wasted it or left him to his own devices to kind of figure it out, I think, you know? And and that's why it became repetitive and stale ultimately.
0: And they sort of blame the Colonel for a lot of that here. Um, It
1: is all my fault because I pulled the strings from behind the scenes, my
0: boy. You see. And again, we don't get a depiction of the Colonel, but he mentions him a lot. And he's like, oh, either they're
1: not giving me good scripts or good songs. So we get the Colonel. He looms large in one segment of this. We get him. On the other end of the phone, in in like one scene, and it's like Elvis is all these like great books about like new ways of thinking and philosophy, and he's like Priscilla, listen to this. I just read the most amazing thing. I'm ready to have your mind blown, and she's like, enough with this shit. Like <laughs> you got to cool it, and he's like, never. I love my books. And in the next scene, the colonel is on the phone. He's like, yes, sir. I will burn all of my books. You got it, sir. Yes, indeed. And then cut to her handing him books to throw on the burning pyre. I was like, Oh my God, the Colonel is here.
0: The Colonel is really his life partner.
1: It's, it's not Priscilla. That's his real wife. Yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah. He is under the Colonel's thumb, like forever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he is the Colonel's like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like his, uh, not his slave or anything, but like, kind of, you know what I mean? Like his like cash cow. Yeah.
0: He does whatever the colonel says, and really those are the conversations he should be having with his wife and not his manager, right? Yes. Do you want to bring up some facts here quickly? Cool. Not too many IMDB facts because it's such a recent movie. But only the second film Sophia Coppola has ever shot digitally, the bling ring was the other. So so I thought that it was interesting, right? She usually shoots on 35mm okay. or 16mm.
1: We know Francis yeah. loves this film. I think the bling ring was because like they actually shot in Paris Hilton's house and there's a lot of very low light kind of stuff going on and digital is great for that. But this maybe it was, um, I don't know. This looks amazing. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. It looks like film. In fact, I really enjoyed the look of this movie. There's a, it's very, there's a lot of great coverage, you know, it's like the opening credits were great. Whereas like cut to the chandelier, cut to the piano, you know, cut to the bathroom, like just cut to the f- carpet. Like, Lots of great coverage here. Uh, Lots of like, she really like kind of rests on a lot of shots too. You know, like there's not a lot of fast cutting, very precise cinematography. I really enjoyed all of that side of it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, apparently part of the reason that it went digital was just to keep the budget down. They did not have a lot of money. And and this one made me laugh because this is so her father. But apparently... (laughs) she had to cut a week's worth of scenes from the film because one of the people financing the film dropped out and they just didn't have the cash, so they cut it all out. That sucks. And you can kind of see, like, the movie like slowly plods along until sort of the marriage, and then we go through like a lot of years in a short span. I thought it was effective, but maybe in the original draft, we get a little bit more, but
1: leave it Mm. to a Coppola to lose funding last minute. Right. Yeah, really. Right. But also to improvise or or to call that audible and like still make it work. You know, like, I don't feel like this movie needs more. I don't feel like I need a shorter cut, but like, I actually kind of liked the way you're right. Like it's kind of, it kind of trots and then it, and then it gets a little faster. And then by the end, she's kind of galloping the movie, you know? And and I like that we start, we start moving through time much faster. Uh, I, I especially like after she shows up in Vegas and he's like, you got to get the fuck out of Vegas. And she's like, well, I'll stay in L.A., right? That whole thing. Like, maybe I'll stay in L.A. for a while. Then we get like a lot of time going in a very short period you know she meets that guy she starts doing karate they have like a little <laughs> dinner party and then suddenly she's back in vegas with like two of her girlfriends and they look like real women now <laughs> and like you know she's like oh i gotta go talk to elvis for two seconds and it was apparently the last time they saw each other i i felt like the movie was walking for a long time and then it started like kind of sprinting but i also felt like that's probably because of like like how she was feeling, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that was supposed to be that way because that was the pace of her life.
0: Yeah. I thought it was super effective that way. I I agree with you as well. Our perspective here is her marriage to Elvis. She started to gain her own life and we're seeing less of the movie because we're seeing less of Elvis. So like it just Mm -hmm. becomes some other story that we're not really a part of, which I again
1: I think it's really effective. I love the karate part. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was so quick it kind of reminded me of like uh sharon tate when you that shot in once upon a time in hollywood where she's training with bruce lee i was like oh and also you know all of elvis's you know karate talk and all that you know <laughs> chop and everything,
0: so. mike watching this movie makes me just want to watch more sofia coppola and i think she's so underappreciated sofia if you're listening don't listen to when we talk about you on The Godfather Three, we're honest and fair. I'll put it that way. Um, whenever we do The Godfather Three here or the Coda, whatever you want to call it, we'll have our Sophia. We'll, we'll, we'll do both. We're going to oh, do both. Definitely. That's this is why this is the cut by cut franchise. Two different Coppola movies. Podcast. Two different movies. Yeah. But as a filmmaker, I'll even say this: I don't think I have appreciated Sophia Coppola enough um, until recently. Right? I re- want to rewatch all her movies and just appreciate that she has carved a career so separate from her father. Uh, Again, the Coppola name is there. Obviously, she's, you know, quote, unquote, Nepo baby. She got her start with her father. Like, there are a lot of sons and daughters of directors who are not famous directors today, who are not accomplished directors today. She is an amazing Hall of Fame director in her own right. And from now on, anything she comes out with, I'm going to go to the theater and watch.
1: Well, Brian, I'm going to have to go look for this. I know I have a copy somewhere and I bet it's online, but you know, I don't know if you're aware, would she, was she married to Spike Jones or they were, they were together for a long time. They were partnered up. So while she was with Spike on the Criterion collection edition of the Beastie Boys uh, music video collection, I don't know if that's still in print, but it's out there somewhere. There are amazing behind-the-scenes footage for the Sabotage music video. If you remember the video Sabotage where they dressed up like cops from a 70s TV show, are you aware of that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Legendary. There's a special feature where Sofia Coppola is like a talk show host interviewing the Beastie Boys in character as their characters from the Sabotage video as if it was just the opening titles for a television show that really existed in the seventies. So like everybody's like play acting and stuff, but like Sophia is on screen, like interviewing the beastie boys in character. So like, maybe we watch that at some point, like I'm down. point is we're not, we're never stopping. So <laughs> we shit to look at. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree. You know, beastie boy is one of my all time favorite stuff. Hell like, yeah. You know, grew up with that. So like, so great that she was connected to that. Uh, you know group as well at some point in this amazingly talented
0: artistic family she is going to carry the legacy like she is one of those along with nicholas cage along with a bunch of others she's one of those
1: and her daughter uh, potentially. yeah we haven't even mentioned her
0: daughter today <laughs> her daughter of the famous tiktok video if you haven't seen that one also okay another note i had quickly roman coppola her brother oh yeah is yeah the, you know lead producer on this it seems so and he does a lot
1: of the uh, Wes Anderson stuff these days, right? With Wes? Yeah,
0: he's written movies with Wes Anderson. Um and then just just for the record, she was married to Spike Jones from okay. 99 to
1: yeah. 2003. Yeah, rumor is Giovanni is playing like a version of him in uh Lost in Translation. Oh, really? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I that's what I always heard. Yeah. The most random Spike Jones
0: thing that I love is like he plays as an actor. Oh.
1: In the Wolf of Wall Street, oh, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, like I did. It's <laughs> so great. I wasn't even thinking about that
0: one, but uh, it, penny stocks, yeah, yeah. In one of my favorite movies, Moneyball, which came out like around the same time. Oh, like, nice. he's like he's married uh, Robin Wright, who's Brad Pitt's ex, and he's like just like this awkward guy, like asking about. He's asking like uh, Billy Bean, the the ASGM about like baseball players, and like mispronouncing them wrong so funny he's a good actor season yeah he it's funny how many like of these directors are like good actors in limited roles
1: i don't i mean it kind of goes to if you're a good director you would know how to direct yourself well right so you know guys like john favreau etc you know so if you ever see scorsese in movies not even just his movies but he's in like a couple other films too he's very good or at least I, i i buy him i find him convincing
0: are you referring to shark Tale?
1: I was referring to uh, didn't he play like um Vincent van Gogh or something in a Curaçao movie? Did he? I don't know. Like I just that. laugh. Like yeah. Kyle
0: and I joke around that like uh, the film Shark Tale like
1: yeah, can't... the shark with the big bush or the the fish it, with the big eyebrows. It's yeah, just
0: like it has like too many famous voices and like Martin Scorsese says he's one of them. It's like why? Oh. <laughs> How many movies do you think Sofia Coppola directed off the top of your head?
1: Hmm, 10? Let's see. I could try and name them. Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, um, and I'm stumped. 10? You're um,
0: actually right. It's like she's officially directed oh, yeah. 10. We're not counting New York stories.
1: The Beguiled remake, uh, Marie Antoinette. Lick the Star
0: is the first one. I never heard of that one. Virgin Suicides. I seen it. Lost in Translation. Yeah. Marie Antoinette. Somewhere. Bling Ring. The Beguiled. On the Rocks. New York City ballet, short film, I don't know if that counts, but... And then, of course, Priscilla. We might cover another Sofia Coppola project here in the very near near future, so stand by. Mike, anything else you want to talk about in regards to Priscilla? I wish we could get more into some of the nitty-gritty or people's reactions, but it's so new. I think over time, just like a movie like Marie Marie Antoinette, it's going to have a bigger legacy... That's just my opinion. But anything else that you wanted to say?
1: Um, yeah, well, it's a it's a very interesting biopic. Like I like these types of biopics where it's just kind of like, you know, the pivotal times in her life. Like we didn't I mean, well, what else is there really to see? Like <laughs> we we catch up with her pretty young. Uh, but like, yeah, it's a good it's a good biopic. It's very interesting. You know, a lot of times, like I like how narrow the focus of this is because it makes it feel more honest right like it makes it feel like it's way from her perspective like who cares what anyone else thinks this is what she thought like this is how she felt this is what she saw and she was there so it's hard to refute what i'm watching okay so like i kind of take this as like blindly right i just i believe what i'm watching so like this must have been how it was okay and like yeah at times it is very difficult to watch but if you you know some relation relationships can be difficult to watch you know and like you know i'm not trying to get anybody off the hook or anything like that but like it it felt very real in that sense that like we're looking at two people we're not necessarily looking at like elvis and priscilla all the time but like people trying to be themselves and be with each other and on some level they love each other and they want to be with each other but like It's just so fucking hard sometimes to get what you want, you know, and to get on the same page. And I think this movie does a good job of showing that as well. You know, that like it's it's a messy, fuzzy, muddy way to go. Were you
0: disappointed that we didn't get
1: into the naked gun years in this film? (laughs) i actually mentioned i said that as a joke over on the elvis podcast no i actually quite appreciate like the stopping point of this
0: (laughs) but like in all seriousness i do as well right like this is a moment in her life that we get to witness probably the most when i say interesting doesn't mean the rest of her life wasn't interesting but the most fascinating moment in her life, which stands her apart from a lot of other people, but also makes you know her such a universal uh, character. I like biopics like this too because yes, they have a focus on a small portion of a character's life. That's one. But two, they're not puff pieces. Um, I mean, you could argue this is like a Priscilla Puff piece, but too many documentaries today and too many biopics are just like authorized by everyone involved and everything is hunky-dory and there's no trauma and all the trauma is just like universal stuff like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever. Like, we're getting a lot of that and we have been getting a lot of that. Give me stuff that makes me cringe as well, right? Like, and this, this yes. made me cringe at times. I won't stop listening to Elvis. I don't. My opinion on him didn't really change because I never really had him as like don't know pedestal as a human, right? Mm-hmm. But my opinion on Priscilla changed because I didn't know much about her. And from the perspective we got here, this is the story that that we got, and color me more fascinated, right? So, right.
1: I, I, I don't know. I enjoyed the film. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's a good movie. You know. And uh, good movies shouldn't always be like easy You know and yeah It's the the furthest thing from a puff piece (laughs) I think It's a shame because like I
0: shouldn't say that because again Time will tell but It did have a pretty small budget of 20 million dollars It hasn't even made that back yet I think it definitely will At some point But also Sophia she's a Coppola It's not just about the Mm -hmm. money It's about telling the great story And I think she tells one here absolutely mike this was a wonderful journey into another coppola today i can't wait to talk more new coppola films maybe megalopolis will be the next new coppola film from the family that'd be very very exciting i cannot wait for that um thank you so much for listening remember check us out on social media check our other podcasts i mean the biggest plug we did today was definitely (laughs) for *VivaPod vegas Check Viva Pod Vegas out. It is an awesome show. And maybe you stumbled here because you are an Elvis fan. Maybe you're a Priscilla fan. Maybe you watched Priscilla and it made you curious about the film career of Elvis, because again, that's the era we're in here. Your podcast mic is perfect for them, I would think.
1: Absolutely. Because Joey Lewandowski, the godfather of the network himself and me, the co-founder, we are having so much fun. We do these in person as well. Uh, when we talk about Elvis himself, we've done a couple satellite episodes. Uh, like we did an episode on Priscilla. We did those uh, over the, online. But we tend to get together for those uh, Elvis episodes to make them extra special. And they're a lot of fun. And even when they're bad movies, uh, we have a good time. So. <laughs> Please come check us out over there. Oh,
0: I know we're, like, pulling the end thing here, but you did allude to this, and it was in my notes to ask you. Okay. Elvis as an actor, mm-hmm. you kind of implied that, like, he was being kept down by, I mean, and the movie implies that as well, that he's being kept down by the roles he's in, that it's it's mostly mm-hmm. musical stuff. What, w- what movie that you've seen so far is his best acting performance? What would you recommend... For the uh, you know uh, the nieces and nephews out there, like if they want to see like wow, if they want to see a movie where they can say wow, Elvis is actually a pretty good actor. What would it be?
1: Okay, so the one movie where he's like he's he's allowed to act for a couple, but they're mostly like westerns and stuff. The main one I would say to watch is a pretty early one. It's King Creole. It's it's. Very early, it's black and white, Walter Matthaus in it, and he is sensational. Like, he is, like, you watch that movie and you're like, oh, my God, like, Elvis isn't a singer, he's an actor. Like, what's he doing singing? (laughs) Like, he should be acting. Like, this is crazy. And that's definitely a reason why he didn't become a bigger actor is because he did not have the time to study, amongst other things. And like, yeah, the movies just became another way to sell more records, basically. They were doing good for a while, you know. There's a lot of fun ones. There's a lot of good movies in there. Blue Hawaii is a fun one. Um, there's others. I'm just, I'm just getting fun in late. Acapulco. I'm, you know, yeah, Fun and Acapulco. But I'm saying like that performance of Elvis is like really top notch, and that whole movie is amazing. Like it's gl- it's beautiful, black and white. It's really really good movie. So I would I would definitely say if you're looking for like Elvis the actor to show up that day, right there for sure.
0: Nice. King Creel. I know you've told me to check this out before because it is a high school movie as well. So Fifth year senior. We are coming. Elvis. <laughs> we are coming <laughs> full circle. I don't know. Maybe we do a different one for Sophia, but we'll stick to the regular closing. I'm, I'm getting a little hungry anyway after drinking all this. Dr- drinking all this sparkling
1: white here, and I feel like I need, <laughs> I need a dessert, Mike. Alright, well why don't you leave that little cute pistol that Elvis got Priscilla for her birthday there <laughs> and take the cannolis.
0: Alright. I know we said the end this was the ending, but <laughs> my favorite shot of the movie. Her, and again, i I've never shot a gun in my life. I don't own a gun. I'm not a gun person, but I love that shot where she puts down her matching guns against the oh. dresses that, that like Elvis has bought her. Like that yeah. shot is just of Coppola, you are a
1: genius Most women have a matching purse She has a matching pistol <laughs>
0: This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate loves The end Of everything that stands the end No safety or surprise the end I'll never look into your eyes again